Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. My guests today are Marissa Pittard and Chris Manson, the co-founders of Beaming Health, which helps families find care for children with developmental issues. If you go to their website today, you'll see a focus on autism, but Chris and Marissa have plans for a whole lot more. NextGen Venture Partners is an investor in Beaming Health, and I think in this conversation you'll hear why. Why our society hasn't done a great job of supporting these families and helping them find appropriate expert care, and why Marissa and Chris are positioned to make a big difference. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Marissa and Chris, thanks for joining me today. Of course, happy to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. Marissa, let's start with you. What is Beaming Health? Beaming Health is the best way for families to find care options for their kids with developmental differences, whether it be autism, ADHD, you name it. It's not so much about the label. We just want to help families get their kids care as fast as possible. Chris, over to you. How do you do that? So we have a platform that parents can come to. They can search for any kind of care provider in their area from ABA therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists. They can filter based on insurance. They can filter based on parent reviews, then see what the best options are in their area. They can scroll through rankings of of the different providers. We have contact information and make it super easy for them to, to get connected to the providers that best fit whatever criteria they're looking for for their kid. Marissa, share a little bit about the product vision. So you got that up and running today, what Chris just described. What are some of the things you're hoping to add in the coming years? Something I always say, Dan, is it makes me so angry that I can order a pizza in one click and it takes a family 30 hours to find and get started with speech therapy. It just, it's so American. So my hope this year is that we can build out something that makes it as easy as ordering a pizza. A family can get started with speech therapy in as little as a few clicks. That would be a huge, huge, exciting thing to come out on the product side this year. Chris, I'm going to go to you and run with that analogy that Marissa explained about easy to order pizza. So I'm thinking about Yelp, right? And I can say I want Chinese restaurant in this neighborhood, and then I can make a reservation directly there and show up and everything's good. One imagines from the outside that it might be a little more complicated, but maybe not. Is there anything holding us back from making it so simple? Or is it just no one's done this before and it's an opportunity for being health? There definitely are more complicating factors than maybe just your typical ordering at, at a restaurant. There are insurance factors, providers, certain providers only see kids of certain ages. There are different care settings that a parent might have a preference for, whether it's in home or in clinic. There's waiting list information to be able to, or to take into consideration of how long you want to wait for services. But after that, then a lot of times what parents do is they do end up reaching out to about half a dozen different providers in their area that fit their criteria, and then they wait. And a lot of times also they're filling out 20-page packets to get started with services where they're answering the same questions over and over about the kid's age, any other providers that they've seen, medications, the list goes on, and these parents are spending hours upon hours filling this out. Another one of the product ideas that we have is making it really easy for parents to fill that information out once, and then that information can be stored on our site. So when they reach out to subsequent providers, they can use that same form. Um, they don't have to fill out that, that same information over. 
if you can solve the filling out the same information over and over again problem, I think you will both win the Nobel Peace Prize. That is so deeply painful whenever one encounters the healthcare establishment. Marissa, over to you. You mentioned briefly some of the conditions, characteristics that you know you might cover. But let's imagine years in the future. What's that broad spectrum look like? Does it include anxiety and depression? Does it include physical disability? You began with autism spectrum, but where does this end? Of course, you don't know for sure, but kind of what's the vision to that? Dan, love this question. It's super exciting for us to think about. We did start with a focus on autism just to make sure we didn't boil the ocean. But years from now, we are super excited to support families raising kids with all kinds of different support needs. So it might be autism, it might not be. But if your kid needs speech, they need speech, you know. And if your child's struggling with anxiety and depression, we want to be able to help you get started with that care as soon as possible. It's just way too hard for so many families grappling with all of these different types of challenges with their kids today. So would love to expand to support families who need it now more than ever. Chris, over to you. It seems like we have had the technology to do this for quite some time. It also seems like this problem, the manifold, horrible problem of parents trying to manage all the challenges associated with this, that's existed for even longer. Why isn't there some other company, not called Beaming Health, but that already does this and has a $20 billion market cap? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, Dan. Because clearly the, the need, as you said, has been here for so many years. And there are the Yelps of the world, there are the ZocDocs of the world, there are the Solves of the world that all have similar-ish types of directories. Take ZocDoc, for example. ZocDoc is, is very clearly a like scheduling software where you, as a provider, you sign up with ZocDoc and a user of ZocDoc is able to, to schedule specific appointments. But a lot of the providers that we're working with, they're actually looking for more of these longer term relationships where, for example, someone could be getting 20 hours of ABA therapy every single week. And you're not going through a ZocDoc to schedule each one of those 20 hours. You're actually more so getting in touch with that provider. And then you're starting a a lot of times multi-year relationship with them, or now you're scheduling through them. So for whatever reason, ZocDoc is not focused on that. Yelp also is just so broad between all these other types of services that they focus on, but no one has really done this well. And also going back to what we were saying before, of just this being really complex, there are all these different factors that in order to be able to make the right decision, you have to know a lot of these other things like, insurance information, which is just really hard to keep up to date. Again, how old the child is and what ages each of these different providers serve. This really crucial information that is just hard to get right. And by us having this narrow focus and doing one thing really well, we're actually able to address it. Marissa, question for you. So obviously there are some tools like insurance, for example, that need to be customized to this particular problem that you're solving. You know, a broad platform like ZocDoc and Yelp isn't going to do, but you're also doing a lot of content. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can talk about the content that you have, what it's doing for parents, and what kind of content parents can expect to find on your site, and then also how that plays into your business goals. And this is one of the things we did best last year. We actually got this advice from the incredible team at Levels Health. So shout out to that team over there. But this philosophy around content of adding value to the internet, create value that 
answers the questions people have and you'll be rewarded for it is a philosophy and approach we've taken and it has worked out. We've stayed really close to the families that are part of this community, understood what those most pressing needs are. And, you know, it's not always as straightforward as what you might think would optimize SEO, right? Like if we can help lots of families find a great place to go for vacation in the summer, that's a huge value add for families. And they get to know us as Beaming Health, who just truly at the end of the day wants to make life easier for families. And part of that is creating all this great content. And for us, it's helped us grow organically at an incredible rate over the past year because families are finding value in the content they're reading and they're also sharing it. So creating that just really high quality, valuable, shareable content has paid dividends and will continue to over the coming years. We always like to say content is an orchard. So we planted a lot of trees last year and are excited for those to keep bearing fruit. Love that image. Chris, we've been talking so far about the value to parents and, and certainly by extension, their children. How about on the other side of the equation, the, the providers? What's their experience? What's the value you're adding there? One of the big cornerstones of what we're wanting to do with Beaming is make this to be as accessible to as many people as possible. So we, we know that a lot of parents don't necessarily have extra income to be able to spend on a platform like Beaming. So a big focus has been how do we offer directory and the content to parents for free? And then how do we monetize that through other channels? So we've looked at insurance carriers, we've looked at employers, we've looked at providers. Who are the other players in the ecosystem that could find value from this? And like you mentioned, Dan, the one that we're focusing on right now is providers. We know that there are, particularly in the ABA world, a lot of providers that are looking to reach new families. Um, there are ones that are growing, specifically ones also that are looking to fill morning time slots or very particular kind of criteria that they're looking to fill. And we are a growth channel for them. So instead of spending blindly on Google or Facebook or other marketing channels, they're spending on us. And we're able to offer just a more seamless way to get started. Very easy to claim your profile on Beaming and then to be able to improve it, reach more families. And then we also market us just being this targeted place where if you're looking for families that are truly searching for services and want to start services with you, we're a great place to come. We just had a provider last week that told us that we had sent them two families last month and both of those families actually started services with them. Whereas we've heard from a lot of these other providers that they'll get maybe 20 families that will reach out and maybe only one start services with them. So we are able to to deliver on that, just more targeted approach for them. Marissa, over to you. What explains that delta between the leads that you're sending to these providers and the leads that they might get from another source? Why is that match so much more likely to be made? It's part of what Chris was talking about earlier and how way more complex and nuanced this decision is versus some of these other things, you know, like, oh, where do we go for dinner tonight? It's a very different decision to make than where do I send my kid for therapy? It's your most precious asset as a parent, as it were. And so when a family is looking on Google, there is no filter in place for insurance or how old their kid is or all of those things Chris talked about earlier. And so when we do talk to our customers and our providers, they're always talking about, oh yeah, you know, I get these leads from Google, but I don't take insurance. I'm a private pay provider because I can't take the admin burden of insurance contracting. It's like, yes, that's so common. And so there's honestly a huge discrepancy in the level of filtering Google is able to do and the level of filtering we're able to do just given the structure of our site and the directory. Chris, 
let's go back to the beginning or even before the beginning. How did you get here? What motivated you to arrive at this place as a co-founder? And Marissa, fair warning, you're getting the same question next. But Chris, let's start with you. Yes, my work experience was actually at United Healthcare, the belly of the beast of the biggest healthcare organization in the country, and got to see a lot of what was going wrong with healthcare. So I was actually on a team that was serving parents with kids with special healthcare needs. I mean, I was a product manager there, which basically allowed me to talk with parents every week and hear about what their experience was like, not only with insurance company, but also just broadly in finding services in navigating everything that they need to navigate to get their kid care that they need. Um, and I'd say that the the group that I was part of was was awesome. We were doing really great work. We had served, by the time I left, we had served 70,000 families and actually in, improved the net promoter score for these families with United from negative five all the way up to 73. I was able to see, wow, if you're able to do just little things with families, the bar is very low and you can make people's lives like so much better. People would literally write in every single week in surveys that they would fill out that we were a godsend or that we changed their life. And really what our group was doing is we were just making the insurance process a little bit easier for them where we helped them resolve their issues and we helped them prevent certain issues from happening. In my mind, I was like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity to make things better here. Parents are having a really terrible experience and there are relatively straightforward ways that we could help make their experience better. One of those things that was on the docket for us at United was, hey, we always hear from parents that, oh, I'm on a waiting list for this, or I'm on a waiting list for that, or I can't find a, a provider that is sensory friendly. Can you help me find one? And at United, we really didn't have that. We had a just the classic insurance directory that you could search for and see theoretically who's in network, but a lot of times those, those directories are out of date. So coming to Business school had wanted to stay in this space, knowing that there was so much opportunity to make it better and ended up taking a class with Marissa where we, we were paired up and I'll let her describe her, her experience with this as well. But found that it was a, just a really natural match um, where we both had a passion for this space and wanted to make it better. Over to you, Marissa. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Dan, the joke I always say, or my friends and I always laugh. I was one of the few people at Stanford Business School, I felt like, who didn't want to start a company. And it was such a happy accident. Chris and I were paired together in a class. I'd spent three years or so at McKinsey. I was totally focused on behavioral health care work. How do we think about social determinants of health, all of this really impactful public health work at McKinsey. So I'd signed my name in blood to go back, not intending to start a company at all. Chris and I get paired and start digging into this problem, how to help autism families find care and other services. And I mean, I didn't even realize it at the time, but these problems are my family's problems. My brother has a developmental disability called PANS and misophonia, significant sensory issues. So I found myself unbelievably in this right team, right problem, right time situation and figured if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do this. And it's such a gift to get to work on something so meaningful to me. I just, I've spent my whole life watching my parents feel like they're not doing enough. And yeah, like I said earlier, it just makes me so mad. So it's 2023. Why are we giving people a phone book to find care services when all these other things in our lives are getting easier? So I, yeah, super excited to have taken the leap with Chris here, of course, who's a phenomenal product builder and had such great professional experience. At the end of the day, it was just a no brainer to work on this together. So thankful to be doing it. I've been alternating between the two of you so far, but I'm going to go back to you, Marissa. 
I guess if you could kind of give a, almost a PSA to those of us who don't have this in their family or don't, who don't have a, a lot of this in their direct experience, what should we know? I was struck in your description of, of how you got here that your parents, I guess, felt guilty for not doing more. And my guess is because just thinking about the people who do feel guilty, they probably were doing a heck of a lot. But just that awareness, that struggle, that's helpful to me as I encounter people in the world who, who are dealing with this. But what, what else should people who are, are not as so immediately touched by, what, what should we know? My first reaction, Dan, I'm not sure if you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but my dad always says that when you have a kid, it's like your heart jumps out of your body and starts running around in the world. And it's just this unconditional love you've never experienced becoming a parent. And your kids, the thing you care most about in your whole world and you think something's not right or you feel like something's going to be standing in their way toward living a fulfilling life. And when you're a parent, again, I'm not a parent, but I talk to parents every day and just, you'll do anything for your kids to help them achieve their dreams and get where they want to go. And so when, yeah, I think not totally dissimilar to other things that come up for other parents, it's, yeah, it just creates this incredible anxiety and pressure on a family, this feeling of like, are we ever doing enough to support this loved one in our family toward their dreams and helping them live the happiest life possible? So that's just that weight that weighs on families. And then the second thing I would say for folks who aren't these families or in these communities, like one of the best things that anyone can do there are millions, we're talking about 13 million families in the U.S., honestly, more like diagnostics are getting better and better all the time and becoming more equitable as we get better at diagnosing nursing girl, women and other minorities. Like, the actual community we're talking about is huge. We're all going to engage and encounter these families and communities throughout our lives and just taking the time to get educated about neurodiversity and developmental differences and creating workplaces, schools, and communities, families where inclusion is celebrated and we're having conversations about these things like that's the best thing is just creating a more inclusive world wherever that might be for you thanks marissa at least from my perspective as a parent i'd agree your kid's happiness is paramount just kind of cliche that you're only as happy as your least happy kid uh and i think there's there's a lot of truth there and yeah and when your kid has a, a health issue that's the priority and it's hard enough to do a really good job when money is no object. But for most people, money is an object. And so I want to go to you, Chris. What's the kind of landscape here with respect to insurance coverage, with respect to public services? What's kind of the status quo for money or limitations on money to getting services that, that kids need? And is there anything that in the future where beating health might play a role there? Yeah, that's a good question, Dan. So looking at the, the process, the first stage is getting a diagnosis. A lot of times the providers that do accept insurance have really long waiting lists for diagnostic evaluations. The waiting list could be 6, 12, 18 months if you want the evaluation to be covered by insurance. That means that a lot of parents are actually going outside of insurance to get the diagnosis and they're paying anywhere from two to $5,000 out of pocket to just get an evaluation. Post-evaluation, then, that's a lot of times when parents will start with services or families will start with services. And the main services that autistic kids will get would be ABA therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. Um, thankfully, ABA is, is 
almost universally covered by insurance. There's been a big movement over the past 10 years to get that covered and it's now covered in all, mandated to be covered in all 50 states. On the speech therapy side, there are oftentimes similar to diagnostic valuations, oftentimes a lot of providers who are really good, who end up having long waiting lists, they end up just going private pay. I mean, we talk to many parents that are spending thousands of dollars on their kid every single year to try to get them the services that they need. As far as our role in helping, really what we try to do is we help try to give parents a landscape of what all of their options are. What are your options if you do stay in network? What are your options if you go out of network? What can you expect to pay? And then we also have this tool that we've developed. It's this, this roadmap tool that essentially gives parents a step-by-step -step view of the, the most important things that they could be thinking about. Um, and as part of that, we have a lot of different tips and tricks related to insurance, related to grants, related to like HSA, FSA accounts. There's this thing called ABLE savings accounts uh, that all of these, these different tools can help to save parents money because uh, we know that that can be tight and, and just really precious in wanting to, to maximize um, how far. So we, we definitely see ourselves as playing a part in being this navigator for parents in order to know what their options are and then in order for them to really be able to maximize the, the available options out there to help them pay for care. As I'm talking to you, like I'm getting like a, a warm glow for what you're doing and how you're helping people. Um, and I want to go back to you, Marissa. You know, you mentioned the value of working on something that you're passionate about. And I'm curious how spending your days, the vast majority, uh, I imagine if you're waking hours, working on this, how does that influence you day to day and your ability to put in the long hours and just how you're feeling on a moment to moment, day to day basis? It's hard being an entrepreneur, but what's that intersection between the mission and, and your, your own experience? Yeah, no, it's a great question. People ask me this a fair amount. They're like, oh, how does the work level compare to McKinsey? Or before that, I was a bioengineer and just people are always like, oh, how's the workload compare? I, it's kind of a joke. It's kind of not a joke. It doesn't feel like a job. I for sure work as much or more as I did at McKinsey. And I think the difference is just it's energizing, makes me come alive. I'm thinking about it all the time because I want to, because I love it, because these problems are important and time sensitive. Millions of families are going to care every single day. So I just day to day, it's just so enriching. I think about my funeral a lot, which is kind of morbid, but Basically, I just always say, like, oh, what do I want to be true? Like, what do I want people to say at the end of the day about how I live my life? And there's nothing I would change right now. I'm like so proud to be working on this with Chris and our team. And it's just so life-giving and energizing to work on something you care about so much. Well, I think that's a fantastic note to end on and a lot of wisdom for anyone who's listening and how they might pick their next venture. Chris and Marissa, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. 
any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.